been reading a book called The Cure, The Cure by a guy by the name of John Lynch. This is a phenomenal book because he lays out in the the first part of it, a, a premise statement basically of a guy gets to a fork in the road and he's got to make this decision, if you will. Is he going to go down the path of trying to please God or is he going to go down the path of trusting God? On the path of pleasing God, he becomes a poser and a performer and there's all this external stuff. He gets frustrated and eventually makes his way back to the fork in the road and then he concludes, God wants me to trust him. And, and so when we deal with our faith journey, if you look at it honestly and accurately, everything about our journey is about trusting God. When you read even David's confession of Psalm 51.4, where he says, against you and you only have I sinned, really the conclusion David makes after his uh, major sin issue with Bathsheba and killing her husband was, I decided that you couldn't be trusted and you wasn't enough for me. Thus, who I really sinned against is you because I didn't trust you. Makes sense. Well, John Lynch in the book makes this observation. He says, when we shift our worldview to enjoying Jesus, when we shift our worldview to enjoying Jesus, rather than focusing on not sinning, we begin to grow and mature. In the Bible belt, the bondage belt, what I've seen happen repeatedly in people's lives is they start to look and they want to look at how they're not sinning. If you're, if you're really seeking Christ and you're really pursuing Christ and enjoying Christ, you don't want to sin. But you can get to the place where you're Sin management barometer over here maybe looks good and you go, well, I'm not sinning, but it doesn't imply that you're enjoying Jesus. And so God calls us and we believe the cross Loganville is a place where you can come and really know Christ for who Christ is and start to really enjoy him. We believe that one of the secrets to living an abundant life in Christ is taking the risk to hide nothing among people that truly love you and who are willing to walk with you into freedom and not try to fix your junk. Let, let me say that again. There's a lot of churches that are built and based out of legalism that as soon as you disclose something, the spiritual sheriff, he's got his junior God badge, he comes along and he wants to try to fix you. There's only one person that can fix me, heal me, and complete me, and it's Christ. We want to be a place where you're willing to take the risk to hide nothing amongst people that love you and really have a desire to walk with you into freedom in Christ. That's who we are, and that's what we're about. So we've been talking about once you come to faith in Christ and you experience conversion, God desires to see us open the next chapter where we move from just conversion to commitment and commitment to connectivity and from connectivity to really becoming a contributing member of the body. So we end up opening these different pages saying, I want to be a fully alive contributing member and partner to the body of Christ. Makes sense. Now, we here at the cross do not have membership. I've had people in the five years I've been here, they'll come up and say, well, I want to be a member of your church. I'm like, it's not going to happen. They're like, what do you mean it's not going to happen? We don't have members. Members, based on our study, if you see it, members are kind of cautious people that kind of ease in. They're consumers. They're takers. They're very quick to critique what's going on because they don't have any skin in the game. I'm a member at Costco. 
I pay my $50 a year and we go in and we can buy in bulk when you've got seven people eating and buying toilet paper. I live in the estrogen ocean. I mean, you need these kind of perks at times, right? I mean, right, Benji? We live there, dude. We're, we're, we're okay, old brother. We're going to be all right. But I'm just a member there. I don't have any skin in the game. They, they don't contact me about what products they should put on the shelf. They, they don't ask me to make any decisions. I just pay a little bit and I'm there. I remember as a young guy growing up down in Noonan, I became a member of a church. I, I didn't know what it meant, but I knew what it gave me. I knew that they said that if you would be a member of a church, you could play on their church league basketball team, but all you had to do was be a member and go twice a month. So I walked an aisle and shook some dude's hand, and he goes, why are you here today? And I said, I want to be a member of this church. He never asked me why. He just said, man, I'm glad that you're here. And so uh, they filled out this little card, and supposedly I was a member. Lost as a ball in high weeds, no spiritual pulse, didn't know who I was, why I was here, where I was going. The only thing they really told me there was what time practice was. Some of you have been in those churches where they're like, you know, hey, today we're going to extend the invitation. And I don't even know what that means. I'm not cynical and I'm not being critical. All I'm saying is it didn't carry any weight. So partnership for us carries weight. It means that you will not be a consumer. You will say, I will partner to become a distributor. I will have skin in the game. I just won't be a taker. I'm going to be a giver. Makes sense. All right, so let me break down what we mean by this today. And I think this is absolutely crucial as we talk about who we are, why we exist, and where God is taking us. Now, partnership to us is a radical call to obedience and deeper transparency. Let me say that again. Radical obedience and deeper transparency. We will not, at the Cross Loganville, foster, and we will not facilitate an environment of living in denial. We're not going to do that. When people live in denial and suppress their issues and there's no movement toward freedom, we're not, we're not going to applaud that. It's not who we are. Because we believe if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you can have authentic fellowship with other people. When you're hiding and lying and covering, you're living a life of death. Okay. So th th that's important for us. Partnership says we're going to get our real stuff out in the light. It's okay. We're going to take the risk so that we can move toward healing. That's who we are. Now, as followers of Jesus and disciples of Christ, we are members of God's family, and we are all, all, all called to participate and minister within the body. All of us are. Ephesians 2.19 says this, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are now a member of God's household. That's important to us. Because anybody that belongs to the family of God belongs to everybody else that belongs to the family of God. I'm one member and partner of the body of Christ here at the church called the Cross Loganville. I'm just one partner and member with you. There's only one leader. His name is Jesus. He conquered death and on the grave. Cash money ain't pulling that feet off. Believe me. So I'm just one partner and one member with you. Let me say it this way. 
We at the cross believe that a healthy church inspires partners who are committed and equipped to do the works of the service that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you study Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And then he says this, he gave them those gifts for the equipping of the saints to equip God's people to do the work of the service. Who's supposed to be doing the work of the service? All of us. Let me tell you how it works in my house. We all take part in my house. All, all, all of us take part in our house. Now, we have five kids. Caleb, when he was seven or eight years old, it was like, all right, time. It's time, dude. Time to get in the game. You're not a consumer. You are a partner. You are a participator. So here's what you're going to learn how to do. And so he learned how to do it. Caleb takes his own laundry from the time he was seven or eight. He takes his laundry. He separates his laundry. He washes his laundry. He takes the laundry out of the washer. He puts it in the dryer. He dries his laundry. He folds his laundry. He puts his laundry back in the drawers. Why? Because he's a partner in the house. Now, Barb and I got away for our 25th anniversary recently back in December. December 1st, we were going away. And my buddy Kenny Flowers, who's a partner here at this church, was talking to Benji and Jesse, our two older sons. And he was talking to them this one Sunday, and he goes, well, since your mom and dad is out of town, who's in charge? And he said, they both turned and said, she is, talking about the 13-year-old little girl. <laughs> and he goes, really? And they said, our only chance to have anything to eat is right there. <laughs> so we got pictures. Like, she, she was like, you know, she, she, we would talk to her, the kids, when we were gone. I'm like, what's happening? She had pots boiling with pasta. She was making sauce. She was browning meat. She had it going on. Who was in charge? She was. The cook was in charge. Why does Hannah cook? Because she happens to be a partner in our home. She's not a consumer. Here's the deal. Your job after we eat is you're going to sweep. The other one is to clean the table. The other one is to wash the dishes. The other one is to fill the dishwasher. Why do your kids do that? Because they're partners. When Benji turned 16, we gave him the keys to a riding lawnmower. True. Why? Because our grass is going to need to be cut, but it's your way, since you're playing baseball and to work around your schedule, that you can go knock on doors and get a few yards to do, and you can make a little pocket change. Why do you do that? Because we're all partners. We equip the saints to do the work of the service here. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy 3. He says, now those who aspire to the office of an overseer or a pastor, that's a lofty thing you're looking to do. He must be one who is above reproach. Oh, 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 oh. listen, listen, listen. He must be one who manages his own household well. How can you lead God's people when you can't lead your own family? How can you create partnership when you've created a consumer mindset in your own house? I'm like, that's interesting. 
So what has God called us to be? Partners in the body of Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is meant by the word? Workmanship. It means that each and every one of us, the word in the Greek means we are his masterpiece, a one-of-a-kind piece of art. We're not his mass-produced work. So when we start to realize that we are the masterpiece of God, a -a one-of-a-kind piece of art, guess what? God is wanting to use you uniquely and the own gifting and abilities and passions of your heart like he can use nobody else because you are a masterpiece. And when you refuse to crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice and become the masterpiece that God's called you to, you hinder the body of Christ. And so all of us have to contribute and and play every play and bring what God has brought us uh, in, in regards to our gifting to the dance so that the body can flourish. Makes sense. Makes sense. Dialogue, not monologue. Does it make sense? Yes. All right. Y'all follow me? Okay. Now, here, here, here's where I want to go. A healthy body inspires and requires that each member do its part well. We're going to do a part well. I can't sing a lick. Amen? <laughs> I'm looking at my wife, my older daughter, and my older son. A lick. Not a a lick. Okay. But Nick and Lisa can sing a lick. Now, Krista was going to come up here and do announcements, and she goes, I'm so nervous. And I was thinking, I'm going to speak for 90 seconds, and you're going to speak for 35 minutes. And, okay, if you can do it for 35 minutes every week, I think I can do it for 90 seconds. (laughs) Well, I think that girl can speak. She did a great job. But, but I know we've all got different giftings, and when we bring them together, watch the body of Christ work. We encourage all of our partners to live a missional life. We, we, we believe that when God saved you and redeemed you, he desires and inspires you to live a missional life. So whether you're an educator, yeah, check this cool story out. One of the girls... One of the ladies that comes to our church, my friend Sheila. Barb and I met Sheila a while back. Sheila is a dental hygienist, and she cleans our family's teeth. So Sheila started coming to church here. And so when we did our back-to-school event, Sheila worked with the dentist and others and was a part of the back-to-school outreach with us. And Sheila started coming to church here. Well, Friday night, Sheila is coming off of a certain road, and she's making a turn, and a lady runs a stop sign and crushes her, hits her. She has a wreck. And so she gets knocked off the road, down this ditch, and she's really scared, and her little girl's with her. And she communicated with Barb, and she said this. We had this wreck. I was so scared. I had to climb out the window. I, my little girl couldn't get out because her door was, was jammed up and couldn't, she couldn't go anywhere. She goes, I don't know this lady's name from the church, but she told me she went to the cross. She came over, and she prayed with us, and then she crawled in the car to sit with my daughter while the cops were there. 
And I'm like, Sandra, when she told me that and how God had used you, I was like, she's a member of the body and she was willing to redeem the moment to be used by God. You remember, remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about, that's not my job. Everything's our job. And so here she is, a nurse, was able to minister to a family who was hurting. She didn't set up the appointment. She just walked in it. And so God is teeing up divine assignments and divine opportunities for us all the time. Now, here's what we believe. Check the slide out. God in his sovereignty has placed us in this city among these people in this century for a reason. And the reason is to live out a missional life. Wherever you're at, whatever is going on, if you're living a life of mission before Christ, he'll, he'll say, go, go, go over there and love on that person. Go over there and pray with that person. So God has placed us here for a reason. Acts 17 says, he made, God made from one man, every nation of mankind. He made them to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times, that they would seek God and find God, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him, we live and we move and we exist and have our being. That being said, who made all of us? God. God has us here, 2016, for a reason. God has you living where you live. God has you working where you work. God has you there that you will live a missional life and become salt in life because every person you work with, you see, you hang out with, inside their soul, man, they're desperately searching for answers. Who's going to be the broadcaster and salt and light to this world? You are where you are for a reason. Being a partner at the Cross Loganville for us is about you becoming a part of a family and community. All partners are disciples of Jesus, and we're unified with our identity in Christ, but we're united with how we love God, love fellow followers of Jesus and fellow Christians, and how we love the lost. That's who we are. We are a community of ragamuffins that have been brought together through the shed blood of Jesus, filled by the Holy Spirit, but he's brought us together and unified us with this identity Now the activity is go love others and go love the lost. Feed those who are hungry. Love those who aren't. Be out in the world and be infiltrators. That's who we are. The staff and elders here at the cross have pledged to assist our fellow partners to love you, to lead you, to provide counsel and support, to pray for you, to help teach, to help guide, in any way we can. We are a discipleship culture here. That's who we are. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. We become disciples and then we go make disciples. So we're looking for partners. Now, we talk about covenant here. And there's a lot lot of stuff I could talk about and go into deep teaching on covenant. But a covenant is an agreement with us, the cross leadership, staff and elders, And the partners of the cross that we invite you to say, yes, 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 we will embrace the gospel. We will do it with brotherly love. I want to become a partner at the cross. No members, partners. But but, but when you hear this today, you can contact Mike, Mike at thecrossloganville.org. You can send a note to info at thecrossloganville.org. And we would, Mike, Nick, Steve, 
myself, our elders, we would love to meet with you and just say, tell us your story. We would love to see you partner with us. But it's not walking an aisle, filling out a card. There's no skin in the game. We don't know you. Your story matters. All right, makes sense? So partners who enter into a covenant relationship with us here, you're going to be called to a higher level of accountability and service. But we're just members of the body because your story matters and every team player must show up and be a part of the team and play. All right. So we have you go through what we call your personal statement of faith. And so we ask you the question, are you a Christ follower? Have you repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus, trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection? Have you been atoned for? Do you know now that you've been given the assurance of eternal life in Christ? I have. Then we go to two. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is? Tons of scripture there. Do you really believe that? Is he God in flesh? We're not going to minimize him down. We don't believe in trivializing the Trinity and deity. We're not teaching Joseph Smith stuff here. It's the gospel. Do you believe that? Have I repented of my sin? Have I really repented and unplugged from the less wild lovers and placed my faith in Jesus? Scripture there. Yes. In obedience. Have I followed the Lord in baptism? First step of obedience for a believer. First step. Have I followed the Lord in baptism? Demonstrating that I publicly now declare that I am a child of God, that I belong to Jesus, and I'm making that declaration that I have been buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in. Have you done that? So this is the door, if you will, to become a partner. You can't be a partner with other believers if you're not a believer of Jesus. All right, now keep jogging with me. So we ask people to check out biblical doctrine. Doctrine provides direction. So a person who desires to partner with us will say, I agree with the core beliefs of the cross, which are founded upon the historic creeds and expressed in the doctrinal statement. It is on our website. You can pull up the notes of this one right here. This entire message right here, please pull it up, but go to thecrossloganville.org, our sermon videos, audios, podcasts, all that, and the notes are there. I want you to see who we are and what we're about. Then we ask people, then we ask people this, do you understand the importance of submission to church leadership? We're all in this thing together. Do you understand the importance of preserving the unity and peace of the spirit? Will you promise to hold the position of primary theological issues tight? And will you not be divisive over those secondary issues? I've been in churches. I've been in Bible studies. I've been in fellowships. Let me tell you, let me tell you, we're a non-denominational church for a reason. I've been in hyper-Calvinistic style churches, Presbyterian and some extreme Baptist. There is so much division in certain pockets at times over predestination and election issues. I've seen churches and people split and not even have fellowship. And I'm like, hold on. We're going to keep the primary thing the primary thing. I've also seen with my Arminian friends that they can get sideways over the second baptism of the Holy Spirit and how if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. We're not going there. We're going to center up on the primary issues of the gospel. I've got people in this fellowship right now that would lean toward being a five-point Calvinist. 
Study Calvinism. They believe in total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Those are the five points of Calvinism. I'll look and go, great, great, but we're not going to get so extreme and whacked over here. Same thing. I've got people in this church that say, hey, man, I speak in tongues. I'm like, cool. I, I, I believe there is a second feeling. Well, I believe there's a second, third, fourth, and fifth, and a hundredth, and a thousandth as I, as I walk with Jesus. So, so, so we're going to keep the main thing the main thing, and we're not going to be divisive over secondary issues. I'm just telling you who we are, okay? Then we ask regarding the doctrine, biblically, I agree that the 66 books of the Bible are the ultimate doctrinal authority on all matters. So the ultimate doctrinal authority on all matters is the Word of God. I don't care what T.D. and Joel and the rest of them cats are saying. This is where I'm going to land. Okay? If there's a different doctrine that doesn't line up, this is where we're going to land. So here's our covenant. We have elders, Chad, Steve, Scott, many of us, okay? Our covenant is this, that your elders and staff will meet the criteria that has been assigned in the Scripture. 1 Timothy 3, 1 Titus 1, 1 Peter 5, Titus, all of these different passages, when you look at it, to go, do they meet the qualifications and the responsibility criteria of what Scripture is laid out? We're going to be there. We covenant to seek God's will for our church community to the best of our ability as we study the Scripture and follow the Holy Spirit's lead. We're going to do everything we can to preserve the unity of the Spirit and promote the Lordship of Jesus in everything we do. That's who we are. That's who we are. We're not, we're, not, we're not ashamed to tell you who we are. We covenant to care for you and to see your spiritual growth take place as a disciple by equipping you to be engaged in the game for service so that you can come, uh, become fully alive in Christ. So we are. We covenant to provide teaching and counsel from the whole of Scripture. We do not a la carte Scripture. We do not cut and paste Scripture. When we get into a text, we desire to handle the text accurately. And there's a lot of people that build arguments from a little here and a little there, and they start to build a theology that is not consistent with the Word of God. We covenant to be on guard against false teachers. We will study and let you know as we dive in what false teaching looks like. And we, we've covered that repeatedly here at times. We know there's Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses and a group out there. There's a lot of stuff that are not consistent with the Word of God. We covenant to exercise church discipline when necessary. When there's issues, Galatians 6, 1 Corinthians 5, Matthew 18, we take the text serious. So we will look and say, there, there's an issue here. It needs to be dealt with. We covenant to set an example as staff and leadership in fulfilling what the responsibilities of a true partner looks like. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, your commitment, what we ask our people to do, and there's been people sitting here for five years, five months, five weeks, that have never combed through what partnership looks like. And this is very, very important as we move into who we are, why we're here, and what our vision is. Okay. I have read through the core doctrinal statement. I will not be divisive, Tim. I understand the importance of submission to church leadership, and I will be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Great. I will submit to the authority of Scripture as the final authority. Great. I will maintain a close relationship with Jesus through regular Bible reading, through study, prayer, 
Fellowship, the practice of spiritual disciplines, my relationship will be evident through my participation in the cross community, in worship, service, etc. I'm going to be a part of what's going on. I will steward the resources that God has given me for his glory, my time, my talents, and my treasures. Like, good. This includes regular financial giving, uh, service, participation in the community that we have going on here with outreaches and everything else that is done cheerfully, voluntarily, and sacrificially. That's, That's what we model here. I agree by God's grace to walk in holiness as an act of worship. I will worship and honor Jesus Christ who has saved me from my sin and given me new direction in life. Don't miss it. That's the pledge we're making. I will, listen, listen, these next two, listen. I will practice purity before marriage. I will practice complete fidelity in a heterosexual marriage. Adam and Eve, man and woman is God's paradigm. I will practice purity and complete fidelity in heterosexual marriage by abstaining from practices such as cohabitation, pornography, adultery, and fornication. You cannot live in sin and be a contributing member to a healthy cause in Christ. You can't do it. I will refrain from uh, from illegal drug use drunkenness, and other sinful behavior as the Bible and the Holy Spirit dictates. Listen, listen, listen. If you are hooked on drugs, you're jacked up, you're trusting something other than Jesus to get your needs met. You're turning into your less wild lovers to try to find sedation, validation. You're using it as a medication, and and you're jacking it up. Tim, do you think it's wrong to drink? Drunkenness is the word that's used in the Scripture. The same word that's used in John 2 when Jesus turns water into wine is the same word used in Ephesians where he says, don't get drunk with wine. It's the same word used when Paul instructs Timothy, drink a little wine. It's good for your stomach. So do you believe drunkenness is wrong? Yes. Drug use? Yes. Cohabitation, porn, adultery, fornication? Yeah. God says, stay away from that. Stay away from that. Do you believe it's wrong to drink? If you can have a beer here and there or a glass of wine, go for it. But if every time you pick one up, you want to get hammered, stay away from it. If you can treat a glass of wine as an occasional beverage, good. There's a lot of antioxidants and all that stuff in it. But, but listen, be wise. Don't run to it every day. Don't be getting hammered. You're, you're going to jack your life up. I'm telling you. And some of my conservative friends just said, oh, can't believe you just said that. That's not, it's the whole of scripture right here. Don't get drunk. What are you saying, Paul? Don't be getting hammered, dude, so that you can't walk in the spirit. And so here, here, here's, here's what we say. Should I sin in such a manner? Should I get stuck in a sin pattern such as that? I agree as a partner to confess my sin to staff and elders I'll sit down with someone so that they can walk with me and help me put this sin to death. What are you saying? The cross is a place where we want you to enjoy Jesus and walk with Christ. But we're not here to see you eliminated. We're here to see you restored. There's some churches that believe in elimination. As soon as you jack it up, you're gone. 
We're not into elimination. We're into restoration. But restoration can't happen if you don't repent and move toward the heart of God. That's who we are. I will commit to follow biblical guidelines when it comes to church discipline, when it comes to dealing with brothers and sisters. And if the need ever be where I have to be approached, I will submit to leadership. I've been here five years. We've had to ask two people in the five years I've been here, you're going to have to take a sabbatical. You're going to have to vote for a little bit. And, and the people that we've counseled with, it was not elimination. It was separation for the purpose of healing so that they could be restored. And both of the people I talked to refused to repent, refused to confess any issues. They were hijacking relationships big time, messing things up. And it's like, you're not going to come back over here until you clean it up. Is that painful to do? Yes. Is it necessary to do? Yes. I mean, think about it. I mean, once these kids get at a certain age, you come in here raising hell, getting drunk, hammered, toasted. I mean, hanging out with Mary Jane every night, you're living somewhere else. I'm not mean toward my kids. You want to sit over here and smoke dope and drink? You're not living here. That's not the way we do things. Same thing here. Does that make sense? We love you. We want to see you free. But church discipline is a part of the journey. We want you to partner with us. We want you fully alive. We want you believing that Jesus is enough, that you can enjoy him. You can bring your junk out of the closet and get it in the light. We want to see you grow. But if you're lying, if you're hiding, if you're living in deception, it's not going to work. One of my friends is here right now. Her husband hadn't come in a while. And, and, and she has confessed some things that have been going and gone. Immoral stuff. And I sent this dude a text, and I said, are you willing to sit down and talk? He didn't initiate with me. His wife initiated with a few of her own women. Are you willing to sit down and talk? Who is this? Send him my, my name. Oh, I didn't have your number. Are you willing to sit down and talk? I didn't ask you if you had my stinking number. Are you willing to sit down and talk? <laughs> well, I usually don't open up about my stuff. Oh, really? Next text. Oh, let me check my calendar. I want to see the brother repent. I want to see the brother walk with Jesus. I'm not going to beg you. If I have to do all the work, it ain't happening. Are you willing to deal with your junk? Yes. Well, come on. We will walk with you in the spirit of Christ toward freedom. We don't care how messy your junk is. We don't care how dirty it is. We believe that Christ came to set the captive free. And so we ask people, hey, do you, we would love for you to partner. People that have been coming here, like I said, for a long time, and they don't have any skin in the game. You're, you're not a partner. You're a consumer. You're a taker. You can't do that. God calls us to be contributing partners working together under the leadership and headship of Christ that we can glorify him. That's who we are. And so if you're interested in that, please contact us and set up a, a time to sit down, 15 or 20 minutes. Your story matters. We want to get to know who you are. 
So it's not just going to be this. We don't do it this way where it's like just walking out. No, sit down with one of our team people so we get to know who you are. And we find out some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses and some of the things you've had to struggle through so that we can actually walk with you. Yeah, that's what a body does. Oh,